Hey Playwright, I'm Tori Rice. And I'm Mabel Reynoso. And welcome to Hey Playwright. A podcast about playwriting and life. Hey Mabel. Hey Tori. You know what's on my mind today? What is on your mind today? Risk taking. Oh, why is that Tori? Well, it has, it does tie into our guest today, but also I've just been thinking about how important it is to take risks in your work, you know, to kind of lean into uh, things that might feel uncomfortable, trying new things. I think <laughs> I, I saw an interview with Chris Rock where he said, uh, do something that scares you every day. Uh, and I thought, oh, wow. I mean, it can be a small thing, right? It can be a say, small Waking up scares me every day. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, then mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. But Just I, kidding. I don't. That sounds, that seems like I want to die in the night. I don't. So I was saying risk taking, like do something, do something risky. And I don't mean risky that's going to, don't risk your life every day, but you know, do things that, that maybe you get like maybe is it, take is you it, out of your comfort zone yeah, right something that takes yeah. you out of your comfort zone yeah well isn't it I had heard this before as somebody giving advice about acting auditioning specifically that before you go to audition you know it's very common to feel that anxiety and and I remember the the person saying, "No, it's it's excitement." So just turning it around, right? Like, yes. so so maybe doing something that does make give you butterflies a little bit, and think of that as excitement, and instead of that nervous. Oh. I because there well, there's just such a greater sense of accomplishment too if you just if you try it and plus how are you ever gonna know if you don't try yeah right and i think that's how we grow we grow out of our discomfort right i think so too yeah and i feel like i've been taking much greater risks in my writing than i ever have what about you I haven't been taking as many. However, the project that I'm working on, because I've seen so much great work incorporating different arts in tandem with theater, specifically animation. I've been blown away by these amazing pieces that are that have been um, retrofitted for the the Zoom or the virtual stage and have basically have been modified to become animated theater works and have been so inspired by that that the piece that I'm currently working on right now uh though very much my style I think uh is also incorporating a lot like is is animation is going to be a big part of it so I'm really excited about it um but it, but as far as as taking risks so maybe my work it's not there but feels exhausting um but really satisfying so it's like that satisfying exhaustion like after you run a marathon and your body aches and one of my favorite things to do is not run a marathon but it's to take the shower after the marathon that is probably one of the most satisfying things ever that's probably why i do marathons it's just to take that shower afterwards because it's like i've earned this shower this this is earned this this well, is yeah i'll just take the shower because <laughs> i have never run a marathon and at this point in my life i just you can do it i don't it's and that is not for me that's not taking a risk well it could be i mean look i'm getting old I could break something so <laughs> just <laughs> just trying to run a marathon but yeah I I can see that I can see how how the shower is really the end goal so while you're running are you are you just imagining your hot shower no but <laughs> while I'm running I just I just imagining one foot in front of the other that's 
that's it. Yeah. But but yep. uh, I just have to take it, take it in tiny steps. But like looking back at my life, the last marathon that I did was you know a year. It was ago. right it was around the, the pandemic. It was right before. Wow. It, was the, it was the week before. You got lucky that they didn't shut that it, down. It, it was touch and go, right? We yeah. Were checking reports, but um, but that that shower will will be in my heart forever because it was just so so satisfying I don't know if I'll do it again you know it's I mean I can barely walk my dogs well now I get winded I can barely walk right now I have (gasps) I have to I have to leave the house tomorrow early in the morning (gasps) and I was just I was just telling John how much I'm dreading because it's game on now dreading putting pants on yeah everything nothing fits (laughs) nothing fits i know oh my gosh i'm gonna see we're gonna see colleagues and Mm -hmm. they're probably going to be like oh my gosh what happened to you you know what happened girl scout cookies and (laughs) uh popcorn and chips and salsa ice cream Mm -hmm. and well and not moving as much from place to place and not yeah. moving at all. So, yeah. you know, you are taking a risk tomorrow. I'm taking a risk. I'm you're taking gonna, a risk gonna... get, trying to get dressed tomorrow. I like, say, will I have are, pants? You are literally one leg at a time. You're putting those pants on one leg at a time. Maybe you'll only get one leg on, you know. Oh, how the mighty have fallen from marathon <laughs> to my pants don't fit. No, I, I, I've become a huge fan of the stretchy pants. I need to I need to get stretchy pants. I don't even have stretchy pants. I told you I just went to a thrift store and I just bought like two sizes up from what I used to wear. <sighs> but yet in my mind I'm still I'm still thin. So I'm looking at stuff and going, Oh, I girl, could wear that. Girl, <laughs> yes. in my mind I, I I'm as thin as I was twenty years ago. You look I, great. Oh. I saw you. Mm. You you look great. I'm telling you, I saw myself in a video and they keep showing that clip over and over again. <laughs> it's the most unflattering, like, oh my gosh. We all think we don't look good on video, though. I am a human potato. So why are we talking about taking a risk? Because uh, why, Tori? Well, we took a risk when we reached out to our next guest. We did not know her personally. But when Chris mentioned her on our last episode, we did a quick uh, search, looked her up, and I went, I knew I had heard that name before. Gina Femia is a playwright. She'll be joining us today to talk about her play For the Love Of or the Roller Derby play. Check out her full bio and all of the awards and residencies that she has won and participated in at the website, heyplaywright.com. Her name is everywhere. She she is extremely prolific. And, and I remember seeing her work up on um, New Play Exchange and downloading one of the plays, and I had even read it, you know? So I, I knew of her, but it, it, I didn't know her. And so it was really a cold call when we took the risk and sent her a note and said, hey, we would love to have you on the podcast and talk about your play about roller derby. And she said, yes. (laughs) Gina Femia, welcome to Hey Playwright. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here in this liminal space with you. Yes, well, we're we're excited to have you. And you know, um, this play, for the love of or the roller derby play, uh, really got me to my core because I have a personal history with roller derby. So I I was excited to dig in and see how you crafted your play. Oh, I'm so excited to hear that. I I didn't get, I've never played roller derby, but I'm a huge fan and I miss it terribly in the pandemic. Um, but I used to go to every game I could in New York when I, when there was no pandemic keeping us away. Well, that's one thing that we wanted to talk to you about is to find out um, 
what inspired you and talk about the evolution of the play. So like I mentioned, I am a huge roller, roller derby fan. My origin story with it is um, my husband, Freddie Padilla. He, um, when we started dating, he was a huge roller derby fan and I had never seen it um, at all. And so we started dating on the off season and um by the time the first game came around i was like oh no i'm going i hope i like it because he loved it um and i was like i hope i like it too and then i was like oh wait i love this so much like more than anything any other sport i've ever seen um or experienced it's just one of my favorite things to to see and go to and i felt like when I write, I try to write from a place of love. And so because I loved the sport, I wanted to explore it in a theatrical way, a theatrical space. And so I just, um, I saw my first game in 2013 and by 2015 had the draft for uh, the first draft of the the play. And so it just kind of, evolved from there i at first i i wanted in my like dream of dreams to have everybody on skates until i i realized that might be dangerous <laughs> um and i still think that there's like a world in which you know people who can be trained to safely do things on skates i think that that's definitely a possibility don't want to rule it out but i did want i i also worried that it would you know, there would be more focus on like, oh, are they going to all like crash or, you know, is it like what the play is? And so I, uh, I, but I wanted there to be a physical element, especially since I was writing this specifically geared towards um, women and we don't often get to see female bodies be athletic in any way. And so I wanted that athleticism to be in there. And um, when I saw Kung Fu by David Henry Huang at Signature Theater, he called that play a dancical. And I was like, oh yes, that's that's the term. And so getting having that in my brain and using like movement and dance as part of the storytelling really helped me evolve the script into what it is now. Um, because at its core, I always wanted it to be a love story and I always wanted it to be, um, like have those moments of intimacy that the play has, but I wanted it to be balanced with like something bigger and having that vocabulary word really helped me unlock it. One thing that Mabel and I talked about was how you were able to realize the roller derby physical playing part of the game because i i didn't know and then when i started reading the story i went oh wow i would love to see that i thought that was such a, a creative way to show the game being played um so do you have a dance background is that a part of is that in your wheelhouse i don't at all um, nothing formal. I like to dance, but it's, you know, it's a lot of like flailing arms, um, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Flailing arms are not okay in roller derby. So <laughs> oh, not at all. No. Um, but like I said, when I saw Kung Fu, I was like, I mean, it's such a beautiful play and I'm not sure where else it's been performed, but I was like, that's, that's it. You know, he uses moments of like that mixes Kung Fu with dance and um, I'm, I don't know the the choreographer for that uh, for that piece off the top of my head, or if the director chore also choreographed it. But that like spoke to me so much. And you know, I didn't want to turn this play into a musical. I just I but I wanted to honor the dance, and I didn't want it to just be like uh like oh yeah, and there's dance in it. I want people to know like it. This is an athletic play. This is a play that requires movement. Um, and sometimes I feel like. It, I had another play that I did that with, but it wasn't as realized in it. And I feel like it kind of gets like lost over in productions or they're like, oh yeah, it's uh, whatever. So I didn't want that to happen with this one. And that's why it was so important for me to like do, do that um, and have that incorporated. 
Well, what's interesting is that in roller derby, because you are working so tightly as a team, it does start to become um, the, like a dance of sorts because you, if you're the pivot, you're working very closely with your blockers to make sure that your jammer gets through the pack and that you are keeping the other team at bay and not allowing that other jammer to get through. And so you do start to predict, like you know what your other player is going to do, and you're really looking to the pivot to kind of guide you. You know, like I was never the best roller derby player, like in I was I was a, a blocker and I started later in life, you know. The pivot was the one. I mean I I remember this one of the pivots who was just so helpful and so uh, like a mentor in so many ways, like on and off of the track, but that would really she could see when the newbies were out there and she would literally push you like no you need to go that way or keep where you needed to be so I could see I could really visualize the 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 dance and the choreography of it I just thought that was such a uh, an amazing way to 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 meet that challenge let's say meet that (laughs) challenge because yeah roller derby is it is dangerous you know Mm -hmm. you there's a reason you are wearing full gear Mm -hmm. it is a sport it is a full contact sport Mm -hmm. um yeah so so you never put on skates i want to hear did you ever go to a practice and put on skates no i never have i'm not (laughs) athletic at all but i love athleticism and i love especially like just the yeah the the it's such an athletic sport and it's such a sport. And I feel like, you know, when I told people before I, I, before I started writing the play and I was just like, I'm a roller derby fan, people would immediately go to like how it was in, in the, when it was televised and how it was, you know, elbows flying and, you know, more of a, um, there were brawls for the TV and all that. And so I know that a lot of like this new movement of roller derby, like they work hard to like to say like, that's not what it is now. Um, but there is still like a big, I I've seen injuries just as a bystander and have known people who have gotten injuries and, you know, it's, it's a, it's real, even with like, with it not being like, we're going to, punch each other and elbow each other and all that the clothesline (laughs) the clothesline from the the 70s yeah now was uh, is there a team that you were following yeah 100 percent um because i my team because i'm in new york is gotham girls or gotham roller derby i believe they've to be more inclusive taken out the girls i believe and i i could be wrong and I apologize for any mistakes that I say in this um but they have like their the team that goes around for nationals as Gotham and they compete with other teams from other cities um and they're one of the I know they're one of the top in the country if not the world which is awesome um but for the local team for the local games they would split into teams that would um be one of there were four teams for four of the five boroughs in New York. And so being a, a native Brooklynite, a lifelong Brooklyn person, um, I would always root for the the Brooklyn team. Gotham's Brooklyn team was was my team. <laughs> you kind of dinged the Manhattan team. So was that a, uh, right, in, in the script? So was that a, like, a wink to, to that? Or are there several teams in Manhattan? No, so uh, Gotham is the New York-based team, and then they have just for their like home games, like four boroughs. So they have Queens, Bronx, Manhattan, and Brooklyn. Um, and because like I'm not only like a, a lifelong Brooklynite, but a lot of my plays take place in Brooklyn and different neighborhoods and stuff like that. And so I'm always going to be Brooklyn first, just because okay, that's that's who I want to do. But I don't want to ding anybody or like okay, <laughs> I yeah. Um, but I will say I'm wearing my husband, Freddie, also designed. 
Ryan's t-shirts and he, I am wearing a Brooklyn Scallywag shirt oh. <laughs> from the play. He, he designed shirts, um, which, you know, is, is awesome. And I love it. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you the best name. When I saw Diaz de los Muertos, I was like, Oh my gosh, that <laughs> is a stroke of genius right there. I love that. That is, to me, that is the greatest roller derby name I think I've ever heard. Uh, no yeah. offense, Tori. Oh, no. Great, but, but Diaz de los Muertos is like, did you come up with that, Gina? I did, yeah. Oh, so brilliant. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, no, there, there, there are some great roller derby names. I will say, yeah, I, I skated. I was always um, just floored when I would hear a new name and, and go, wow, that is so creative. You know, I would not have thought yeah. of that. Yeah. And so, I love that you have that in your, in your play is like when they're like spitballing these, these names. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Just hanging out with some derby people <laughs> that it seemed like that was a thing that they like to talk about a lot, which I, I, I mean, even Freddie and I would, would just like spitball names, just fun to come up with puns, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, there, there is a playfulness in roller derby too, right? It's got, mm -hmm. it, it, it is very serious as a sport, but then there is that playfulness with the names and also your mm -hmm. persona that you get to be. I feel like yeah. um, Mabel and I were talking about the theatricality of it. And, and I said, well, wait, it is a serious sport and people do get injured. And even some of them, it's like lifelong injuries or mm -hmm. having to have surgeries or rebuilt hips and rebuilt knees and all of that. And I said, but there is something that you feel like you're kind of protecting your identity by becoming this other persona oh, and then yeah. getting to play it out and feeling so powerful and embracing that part of your femininity, but also the strength that we do have as, yeah. as uh, women that often I feel like we're, we're not allowed to show or embrace and getting to do that on the track and, you know, hit the crap out of another woman on skates. I mean, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's interesting because that your play is a lot about what you just said, Tori. Gina, like we we meet several of the players, right? And, and we get to learn about their lives outside of roller derby so i thought that was that was really well done um and also this play is framed around roller derby but it's there's so much more here it's like thematically i was so i've never played roller derby i've never seen roller i, I used to watch a show there was a show on a and e i think about yes this, right yes. Yeah. yeah so mm -hmm. that's how yeah. i knew a little bit about it because i would watch that show but aside from that i didn't really know much about it other than my homegirl tori is a former thematically there was so much here for me as a non-roller derby player but as an artist so I think mm -hmm. it was really really interesting that Michelle mm -hmm. uh, was is is an artist I don't believe that she she stopped being an artist when she went corporate right I think it's once it's in you it's in you mm -hmm. um but the metaphor of roller derby I don't know maybe I'm reading too much into it but as a writer as a playwright like there's a line in the play that really spoke to me as as a writer as an artist as a theater maker um and so yes yeah, she's talking about roller derby but i feel like the same could be said about making theater and it's we play to feed our souls to keep going we play for the love of the game not for the score and so i feel like sometimes being an artist is a thankless job right you're not getting you're not getting the the massive pay. Some people are, but <laughs> not getting the massive paychecks. But it's like you cannot exist. I cannot exist without making things. You know, Tori and I had this conversation last week about like, why do we do this? Why can't we just be like other people that just are happy like watching The Bachelor and you're right, you know, right? No, we torture ourselves with like, let me write a play that yes. no one has has said they want to produce, but we're just gonna write a play. So, can you speak to? to that theme of doing something just for the love of it. Absolutely. And that was another thing that helped me 
key right into finding the play and finding the heart of it because I in speaking with a bunch of roller derby players you know I I I found a lot of similarities between playing roller derby and being an artist because a lot of there's a lot of volunteer time and there's a lot of um you know money coming out of your own pocket and you're doing this on top of usually a career which I was a hundred percent doing when I was at uh, I worked a full-time job for six years after I got out of school um, and was doing theater at the same time. And it was like very much, I'm doing this because I love it and I can't not do it. And so when I found that connection, it was so easy to just pour it right into the play. Um, Cause I feel like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we love to do and, it's like it's we can't not do it if we're theater artists you know we just have to or if we're an artist or if we're an athlete or of any type um and just because there aren't you know huge paydays like guaranteed it doesn't mean that you're you're doing it for that you're doing it because you you love to do it and you can't do anything else um and it's funny because i kind of when i write and i don't know if this is familiar to either of you but like sometimes i like will black out while i'm writing in terms of like i don't remember writing that at all and i only remember it um in the context of the first like read through that that line existed in there and I was like oh my god <laughs> did I write that <laughs> that's so true though <laughs> um but yeah it's it was something and in those moments when I'm writing and then I like hear something resonate that I don't remember writing I'm like oh that's like also being a true artist in in a way because it's like it came out of me without me plotting it out or or planning it planning it it just was there and it's because it's here in, inside me and um yeah that's it was easy to find that connection um once i realized that the connection was there wow that's like you know when the people talk about being in flow right like, yeah that's, that's like mega turbo extreme flow when you black out doing it that's amazing i i've actually never heard of that i don't know that that's ever happened but that. Yeah, but, 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 but Mabel, haven't you ever gone back and looked at a script and then gone, wow, I don't recall putting those words on paper, but but then really in your heart going, what, but I, but I feel that. I feel mm -hmm. that now. I felt, I know, haven't you had that experience? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm just so... I'm, I'm taking in this moment right now of like thinking how cool that is. So, so maybe I have, but I, I just think that's badass. That's really cool. Yeah. It's yeah. really, it's really cool to, to be in that level of flow. I haven't found it since the pandemic because I've found that whenever I start to get into it, my body will panic and be like, it's a pandemic, it's a pandemic. You have to be on like alert all the time. Uh, so I haven't found it for like a, a year or so, but it's always nice to remember that it, it's accessible and it can exist. Oh. I was having this moment where I was thinking it's like writing as addiction or something. <laughs> like you, get, you get into this moment where you're just, you're blacked out, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you skate when you were younger? Just roller skate, spend time in rinks? Oh, I used to rollerblade, but I've never been in a rink before. I want to desperately. I, I definitely like want to try it out. Um, there's a, a Coney Island based um, small business owner named Lola Starr, who also owns her own um, uh, roller rink. And I believe it's located in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And she used before the pandemic used to have like roller disco parties and she was always trying to get us to come out. And I just, I was always like next time. And now I'm like, I'm never going to say next time again. I'm always going to do the thing no matter what, because you just never know. That's great advice. Right. Wait, is it outdoors, the rink? Uh, that one is, and oh, that's I so think great. that there's like one other that is indoors, but I don't, I don't remember. Um, wow. Oh yes. I, I think if you have the opportunity, yes, absolutely take it. I mean, roller skates and disco, you cannot go right. wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
you mentioned that you you spent time talking to some of the derby skaters there. Are your characters then loosely based on some of the stories of the of the actual skaters? They're not based on stories as much as there is one character that is um the the combination of two people so um lizzie lightning is based on Susie hot rod and bonnie thunders <laughs> um and that's based on just an experience you know um she a lot of the so after the games um a lot of the players are super accessible and you know you can go up to them and and get pictures and stuff um and Susie hot rod is uh less accessible i found in a way that of course like after nobody owes you anything after especially after a game like that you are exerting energy um but it, she definitely um had a spirit that i i appreciated and wanted to capture into into the character um, and, uh, I also just, you know, combined her with Bonnie Thunders cause she was one of the, the best players that I've ever seen play. Um, so I wanted to have that in her too, which is why kind of why she's named Lizzie lightning, <laughs> lightning and thunder. Um, and, uh, I didn't really, I, it's just based more on the spirit of what people shared versus, um, anything specifically shared from, from people. So I knew I wanted to have a player or the coach. I wanted to have her be a former player who could no longer play because of injuries and um, because of health issues, because I found that to be a truth in speaking with people that, you know, you, even if you can't play, you still want to be around the game. And so um, that's how Andrea the Giant came to be. Um, I knew because I've seen injuries happen on like in front of me, live in front of me, I knew I wanted to have that represented in the play to show that there is like a real risk in doing this. Um, and so that's how uh, Squeaky Mouse's injury came to be in the play. Um, but in terms of like, even like Joy and uh, Lizzie, like they're their like spirits and their like drive to do the thing. I just kept going back to like me and, and playwriting and theater. And so that's how that is like more infused within them. And I mean, I'm always in all of my characters, um, even Michelle, you know, who just, I, that was the part of me that was like, you know, I, the part of me that's scared that I have to choose between doing the thing I love and like settling again, because I was in a, like a, pretty intense day job, you know, like something that's not even in the art world. I was something I wasn't even trained. I was a recruitment manager at that point. And I was like, how did I get here? But I guess I'll stay here. So <laughs> just like in all of those things, I'm, I'm everywhere. Um, and I wanted it to be to just, you know, a, a range, I'm a queer woman. So I wanted to have the differences of, of how queerness can exist in different people but also make sure that you know people it wasn't just it not that it shouldn't just be a thing but i wanted it to you know diaz has a, a male partner um so it is uh oh my gosh half flash um so i wanted there to just be like a mix and a range of realities and truths represented within all of these characters and i also wanted to be able to like give a snapshot into like that whole like you know anesthesia is a nurse and so like that's what she does like she'll roller derby and then she'll nurse um and you know a uh, prosecutor is a law student so i just wanted like to to have as wide a range as as humanly possible represented in all of them you were touching on introducing the characters their derby names tied into what they do professionally or outside uh, when they are not on the track and one thing i appreciated and that i thought you did really effectively was the use of the announcer so that the announcer is announcing this player, but then we get a peek into their life outside of roller derby, you know, and what it means to kind of uh, 
have your skate in the two mm -hmm. different worlds, you know, one yes. on the track and one outside of the line, right? So yeah. I see what you did there, Tori. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but but really um, being able to connect that derby world with their um, with their outside life, which you know sometimes that that derby world feels more like home mm -hmm. and then and then you you go into reality the place where you have to make the money so that you can do derby right because it is yeah. not cheap to do roller derby no <laughs> not at all not unless you get to be in the echelon of one of those really good skaters like you were talking about who are legendary and then they start getting sponsors just the way right. any professional athlete would we're okay spending money on sports right on like oh the baseball practice and the 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 football practice roller derby paintball um but why does it seem like as artists if we're not making money then we're wasting our time why do you, do you think do you have any thoughts on that gina oh well, i think because capitalism is a curse quite frankly and it permeates like everything that society has like how society has been constructed and so there's this really like untrue but you know prominent thought that if you're not making money then it's a waste of time which also like trickles down into like you can't even have a hobby you know like not to mention like how theater is we are trying to like make it I'm, I'm trying you know it's hopefully can be like more of a, a profession for me um but you know, you can't even have a hobby. You can't even just like read unless you're you're making money at it. It seems just the way that we talk about the earning things and who has the right to earn things. Um, and I think that that's, you know, really unfortunate and something that the pandemic at least has allowed me to like see because I feel like I really was hustling hard um, before the pandemic and was just like trying desperately to like make any kind of money. And I was kind of like losing myself in, in the hustle. And at the very least, I've, I've been able to slow down and see all of those things and really get to reevaluate like how my relationship to making money into my art, because I, I just, you know, I want to make the art that speaks to me and can speak to like my, the people in my community and I don't want to just make it so that, you know, I can get like tons of money, not that there is in theater, but, you know, I, I, it just did force me to reevaluate that. And I think that's really unfortunate. And I'll just, you know, say that anybody making art like that is worthwhile, no matter what it comes along with. Like if you're not making any money, but you're still making art, that's that's riches. There's riches in that just, you know, personal riches. <laughs> Absolutely. So what scene was the hardest scene to write? For me, I struggle with plot. Like that's the hardest thing. So in a lot of ways, this whole play was the hardest <laughs> scene to write, um, particularly before I discovered the use of like movement, because then that's like more in my wheelhouse and language where I'm, I, I'm, I just don't like plot, you know, like I writing it because it feels fake to me. Um, for me to write it because I really write based on instinct. And somebody once said to me that, you know, I can write a first draft in three days, but I, I don't know what it is until I get into like workshop and I get to like workshop it out. Um, so I think honestly, you know, when we were a few drafts, um, I was trying to figure out the relationship between Lizzie and Andrea, that they both had a relationship prior and trying to get that information in that didn't feel like it was like just like exposition and plot was really hard to do because I didn't know how to do that without it being like really obvious. And so that scene between them, which I actually like how it, it came out in the end. I like, I like what it came. It was just so hard to write. And I just kept writing it. And I had a whole, a whole thing, you know, between the two of them <laughs> that it was just, um, you know, it was a little soap opery, which I think is fine for drafts. I don't want anybody to ever, you know, feel like that's not okay to do. Like just write the melodramatic scene if you have to write it. And then the, because the truth will wind up in it. 
and you'll be able to like carve it out and like write around and be like, oh, there it is. Got it. I'll just make that into a different scene now that I have that information, but I didn't have that information before. Um, and so that, that one was like the hardest scene to write, even though it's not a big scene, it's basically at the end of a scene. Um, but it's, it was a vital thing to get into the play and it was hard to get in. Oh, wow. That's, that's really surprising to hear because it was so, it was so subtle. Right. So it was. It was so subtle. Oh, that is, that's wonderful to hear. But also, if you think about it, that information that that is, that comes out in that little scene, you can then you connect the dots to their behavior earlier in the play. You know right, that right. leads up to that. And as a matter yeah. of fact, now I want to go back and read it a second time. I only got to read it once. Mm -hmm. That's good. <laughs> so I want to go back and read it again now and go, oh, because that that's great because you, you've laid out that opportunity for the audience to go, oh my gosh, now that makes sense. Why that right. happened back in, you know, back in the beginning of the play. Yeah. Yeah. And so really you had multiple love stories going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is my jam. I love, I love a love story, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me too. I love love stories. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm not very good at writing them. I start to write out a love story and then it ends up being a tragedy, but yeah. what are you going to do? So my kid, I actually asked my kid like, Hey, if you got, you know, I asked him what his favorite book was. And if you had an opportunity to ask the author, what, you know, one question, what would it be? And his question was how did you feel writing the story? So I thought oh, that was I love a cool that. question. Yeah, I love that question. I love it. Um, okay, so how did I feel writing the story? So I wrote it um, over the course of a few years before it got its premiere in 2017. And during that time, I, I, there was a point where I hated it and wanted to just stop and was like, this is the worst idea ever. And nobody's ever going to do this. It's too, there's too many characters. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but that's when it's so important for me to find where the love is in it. And so I, I really felt when it was clicking, I, I felt great and excited. I was like, I want I want this to be on the stage. Like I'm, I want to see this and I want to get to experience it. Um, and then I would have moments of like self-doubt and, and like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. But then I, I would be like, I don't care if anybody else sees this, I need to finish it. I need to, to figure it out and, and see this to, to fruition in a way that speaks to me. Cause I did, I was able to have a lot of workshopping with it. Um, mostly with a director named Aaron Ortman, who's incredible and who really helped shape so much and helps me like figure out my muddled mind with it. Um, and I, I just, I would, I would just keep reminding myself, like, this is, you do want to write this play because when you write this line or when you're with this character, you feel good about it. And so just keep, doing it and at its best I would feel like I was flying I would feel like I was like you know on fire and electric and and those were the moments that made it all worthwhile to me oh I love that I think that's that's something when you say I I don't care if anybody else sees this I'm mm -hmm. writing this for me oh I want to be on fire and electric <laughs> that's great that's really really wonderful you know you brought up a good point though about cast size because i i was just looking at it and it it's nine characters mm -hmm. but thinking about it it would be a challenge to tell a play about roller derby with less characters Right. Exactly. I, I was like, I'm making the commitment to put as many people on stage as I can. And honestly, I could have put even more. Mm 
Um, it was the first play of mine that had a large cast. So I do feel like I was conservative with it, even with nine characters. Cause you know, I've since written plays with like 11 and other like plays that can be eight or 16, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, but that's exactly it. I was like, I'm telling a story about roller derby. I'm not going to like, that's part of the, the, um, agreement I'm making with myself is that it's it's a team sport you have to put as many of the team as you can on stage and one of my favorite productions of it that I've seen um theater of note did a production where um Rhonda Cole oh you know them sorry yes in Los Angeles yes they they did a great production and they actually got it transferred to the block party at CTG in 2019 um because they just I mean Rhonda Cole is the director of that production she did an incredible job um Jenny Sue who played for one of the local teams was in the cast as prosecute her and you know I feel like that's part of my favorite thing about this is that roller derby players usually wind up in the cast or consulting in some capacity and I'm like, that that just makes me so happy. In that production, they had understudies and they had those understudies play as just extra players. Um, and so each of them created their own derby names and their own personas. And they went on as this, you know, they they actually split up the announcer role so that they were doing the announcing live and they just have extra bodies on the stage too. And then they also got to go on as principal or, you know, speaking roles which that's my favorite that's what I want theater to always do right I just want it to be like as big as possible and have as many people get to do as many things as possible so that that was my favorite and I I think that that cast was around 14 or 15 something like that oh wow oh yes I wish I had uh, been able to see it maybe they'll do it again when things open up I was thinking how cool it would be to actually have it done at uh, on a, a roller derby rink. Um, it would be really cool. Well, here in San Diego, the San Diego Derby Dolls, it, it's changed. It's now Derby United. And nice. one of the former uh, Derby Dolls bought the the umbrella of LA Derby Dolls and San Diego Derby Dolls and then combine some of the local teams to create Derby United, they have a flat track and a banked track outdoors. And right now they are doing skating, just regular skating. Oh, and you can cool. take, you can take skate dancing classes and stuff. But when I was reading this play, I was imagining what it might look like to have it done outdoors there. That would be a dream. Wouldn't I'm that very be much. Cool? <laughs> it would be. It would be so cool. I'm so very much like a theater can take place anywhere, anytime. So that is, yeah, like universe. Whoever would produce. How that. could we make it happen? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is kind of leading into because we're already going into our asking for a friend time. If you could have any three people dead or alive come watch this play who would it be i honestly just want every roller derby player in the world (laughs) to watch this play um and that's been one of the best things um when pride films and plays did the premiere in chicago and theater of note did the la premiere like they've always been doing the outreach to these teams to get them to come and see it. And I've gotten really great feedback from people um, who who play it. And so like, that's, I know it's like, maybe that's like a, a bad answer, but, but that's that's really my answer. Has So has any of the feedback prompted you to modify or make any adjustments to the script? No, actually, they, it's usually that they really like it, (laughs) which I like that sound. I know Um, the one I know that they one team and I don't remember what team it was, but they said they don't fight as much off the track as you know, there's not as much drama, you know. But, you know, this is also a play, so. It's theater. There's (laughs) got to be drama. Right. (laughs) Right. But I mean, I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. 
that's great. No, that's a totally legit answer because that's that's probably you know Tori and I write very for a lot of pieces that are very specific for for certain audiences, um, mm-hmm. mostly marginalized populations and, and groups and stuff. And so that's probably who we'd say, right, Tori? Mm-hmm. Like we want our people to to, see, to feel seen. Right. Asking for a friend. And by the way, I did not come up with this question. I saw it on Facebook, so um, just want to put that out there. If there were to be an action figure of you, of Gina Femia, what two accessories would come in the box? I love that question so much. Um, I think that definitely a book because I read a lot (laughs) of books. Um, And then I guess uh, a laptop because I, my preferred way of typing or writing is typing. That's that's the way I really treat my my um, keyboard like it's a piano. Like it's the best when it's it's like that. So that's a book and a laptop, and that's how I get my superhero strength. Okay, you win. You win. You win the world because a book <laughs> as an act as an accessory. I love that. Or an action figure. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes. yes. And to describe a keyboard like a piano, I think that's beautiful. Yes. I did not I did not originate that question. I found it on Facebook, so I just need to need to put that out there. I love it. I did see a friend of mine ask that question on Facebook and I don't remember any of her answers, but I was like, Oh, what a great so maybe that was it was all I was already thinking about it. So it was great. Is there any specific book? Like if you had one book that you had to carry with you for the rest of time? It's so hard. Well, you know what? I would have a book that was magic and it would turn into any book that I wanted to read. That is, that's the, that's the answer right there. Yes. It's just, I mean, if you see like the amount of books that I have, like on my, I have them on my windowsill that is like, that is my to be read so my tbr stack and then i have on april 1st a calendar in like thing where i have a list of books that i'm gonna buy april 1st in theory but oh my gosh i'm getting a tear hold on (laughs) (laughs) look i have so many is there is there a reason why april 1st is the is the day is it just like oh it's spring and like it's it's time or it was because my last big buying spree was like at the end of February. And I have a friend um, who's not a theater person, but she is my book buddy that we are always like going back and forth and we send each other books um, and stuff like that. Um, her name's Alana. And I was like, Alana, can you talk me out of buying these books right now? It was like March like 3rd. And she was like, on April 1st, you can buy these books. And I was like... I'm going to take it literally now. Ramona gave you permission. That sounds like you when you said, I'm getting ready to go on a book buying spree. (laughs) Yes, I do that. I just went on a book buying spree, but I bought all of these picture books in Spanish. And that's Um, awesome. Sorry to cut into your interview time, though. Oh, gosh. Me and us and our Tori's book hoarding and my book binging (laughs) and all this. Okay, so now, Gina, do you have a writing exercise for us? I do. (laughs) For me during this time, I've been lucky that I've had a stable place, um, an apartment in Brooklyn. And it's been, you know, it's it's around 600 square feet. And we don't drive or anything like that. So our parameters like 20 blocks walking in any direction so it's been a little um there hasn't been a lot of going elsewhere for us for over a year for me over a year and so something i discovered is that if you type in a city into youtube there's a lot of walking silent walking tours of of things so you know i was kind of homesick for like pre-pandemic manhattan even though it's right there yeah but I put that into YouTube and I, I was able to just like go on a tour of Manhattan. Um, I hear that, you know, that there's uh, 
most cities you can find a like walking tour on YouTube. So my writing prompt is that you go on YouTube and find a city that you would want to visit or that you miss visiting um, and, you know, put that in and, and just watch a little bit and see what you notice and close your eyes and hear what you can hear and do that a couple of times and then just create a character who is existing in that space, whether they're visiting, whether they're there, whether they're part of the scenery, um, whatever, or, you know, however that character exists, that they're tied to place in that way. Because I do, like a lot of my plays, I, I'm, I write from place first and then everything else reveals itself. So just have a, a place exercise and take yourself somewhere that you might not have been able to visit. Um, what a great exercise. Oh my gosh. We can travel. I like that starting with the setting. I think you can make so many discoveries that way. That's a great one. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I always like a, a lot of my plays, people say the, the setting feels like another character and I, I like that. So hopefully people can find something in that and have fun. Or if you hate it, then throw it out. No, that's no. a, that's a great one. That's a really, really great, especially right now when we can't really go anywhere. So that's a, right. that's beautiful. I love yeah. that. Thank you. So Gina, did I read that you have 32 full plays? um yes and that's old it's more like 37 well it, yeah I um so it took me a, a longer than I wanted just to be frank to to find representation and I finally did literally February of 2020 so right before um but I'm so glad and uh, my agent is amazing I work with Gersh and um one of the first things he said was maybe take out the number because you seem to write too fast to keep up with it and that's true um yeah so I I've written almost 40 plays full-length plays and shorter plays and monologues i think that's like 60 or 70 at this point i don't know i can't what? keep track of the smaller <laughs> oh my stuff gosh. how long does it typically take you from start to finish to finish a full-length play i mean it depends on the play i have written a couple of plays in a week and i wrote one famously in three days um just because i i can get it out really quickly and then I, what I really find the work for me is in the workshopping and in, in the rewriting. Like the rewriting is what helps me figure out what the play is and really get inside the characters and inside like the instinct to tell the story. And, and yeah, so that's. You, you've written uh, 40 plays or, or thereabouts. Have you workshopped all of those plays? Do you have a core group of actors that you work with? So I've almost, it's almost all of them, I think. There's some, like I wrote two of them during quarantine. So I haven't really workshopped, although I did hear one out loud. Um, and then there's just, you know, a bunch that, I think I have heard everything that I wanted to hear out loud, out loud. Um, I do have like, a lot of actors who I love and who I do like write with them in mind. And, you know, it's part of why I feel like I write so fast is so that I can like hang out with my friends who are these brilliant oh, actors. Um, yeah. Like truly, like that is one wow. of the reasons I'm just like, but I want to, I want to work with my friend and, you know, so I'll just write this role, yeah. whatever. Hey, I wrote, a, <laughs> hey, I wrote, look, I, I, actors to hear, hey, I wrote this part with you in mind. It's, you know, yeah. Yeah. I love doing it. You had them, um, you had them at hello. <laughs> yeah. And I also just equally love to meet new actors too. So I, I'm just like, I just want to meet new people to work with. And again, like, being like, I want to work with people who are like in my community and who are like, you know, just 
my friends and, and who will become friends or whose work I admire, which is another thing, you know, I, I, once I, once they're in the play, I'll see them in whatever play they'll be, you know, and my other, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have a lot of actors who are friends and a lot of playwrights who are friends. And so I get to like, see their, you know, recommend them for other people's works if they don't already know them and get to see them so i i'm just all about community and i that's what i miss the most oh my I don't, gosh yeah i just miss like my friends and getting to see their art and all that uh, me too <laughs> but that's great motivation to write that is really yes. really wonderful yeah. okay gina do you have anything coming up that you want to share with us um I am writing my first novel, which is set to be published next year. Yay! I'm very excited about Congratulations. it. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That was hard to write during a pandemic, but it happened. Um, and I'm very excited about it. Um, and I, I have a few other uh, things that are if you follow me on on instagram i post all of my upcoming things there so i'm at harry the houdini on instagram because i did make that handle before the internet started taking itself seriously you know what i mean like when it was like still like we can do that and i just refused to change it so good for you good for you <laughs> Right, because I never want to take myself too seriously on the internet. I just don't. But I do post upcoming things there. And I believe there's going to be a couple of um, virtual readings that are happening in the next couple of months. And um, there's even something slated for like 2022 that we'll see. So, yeah. Nice. All right. So people can find you at Harry the Houdini on Instagram. So awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yay. Gina, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so, so wonderful. You're so inspiring and, ah. Uh, no, you thank you for having me. It was so, it's awesome to get to talk to both of you. I really appreciate it. I feel like I need to go write a play. I know. <laughs> well, you do need to go write a play, Tori. Oh, yeah, we're, taking, right. we're taking a class with Idris Goodwin and we have to write a play this week. So. Yes. Really. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you because hearing you truly so is inspiring yeah inspiring and motivating mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and i love that you you write from a place of love because mm -hmm. that is something that if you write from a place of love you if you care about it everybody else is going to care yeah. about it too yeah yeah so yeah you'll really definitely find the people that need to see it a hundred percent Thank you so much for joining us today. I loved hearing about the evolution of your play. I hope that at some point I get to see it, whether it's on Zoom somehow virtual or in person, putting it out there to the universe. Um, and that someday our, our paths will cross in person right. as well, you know? So thank you for joining thank us. Thank you, thank yeah. you, Gina. Thank you both so much. Oh, that was so awesome. I'm so glad that we took that risk and reached out to her. It was just a joy to talk to her about her play and her work in general. Yes. All right, Tori, it's on you. Work your magic, work your, your roller derby magic. Let's, let's see if we can get that play um, here. You know people who know people who know people. And man, that would be something wow. if we could see it here in San Diego. I could totally picture it being done at at that space. So, you know, who knows what the future holds? The world mm -hmm. is starting to slowly open back up. It sure would be incredible to see it done live and in person and in in an area in a space where roller derby is actually I was going to say perform, but we're about to actually happen. All right. It's in the universe, Tori. It's in the universe. It's in the universe. Putting it out there. Putting it out there. Yes. Well, uh, so we have some more exciting shows coming up. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to take a little break, wrap up our season two, because we're going to go on a little vacation. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. We're going to go on a working trip. That, that I've decided it's our working trip where we're going to strategize our, our future season and then some new exciting things that we have in store for 
the Hey Playwright universe. I've just decided that that's our thing, by the way. Hey Playwright universe, including some oh, of... Oh, I love um, it. Yeah. It's it's just going to be our thing. We're, we're making it bigger. Wait a minute. <laughs> Does this mean that our trip is a write-off? I need the air horn. I have one. I told you this, right? I'm gonna add it. Yeah, you did. The only thing I have is the little the little fart thing. I have a fart gun too, Tori. Oh my god, do you have a fart gun? I do. It's in the playroom. Okay. Where it belongs. Uh, (laughs) Yep. Same one. That's nice. That's nice. (laughs) I'm keeping that in. (laughs) All right, everyone. Um, Please like us and follow us. Uh, Give us the star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, Definitely check out our Instagram. We're not great, Tori, but we're trying. We're trying to get our Instagram game. You can... World, no, I, I can know. only handle Listen. so much. Here's yeah, here's what props. here's what we're gonna do, Tori. We're going to social media the bejesus out of our vacation. Oh yeah. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we'll do, so people mm-hmm. can see what <laughs> what we're doing. What is. Yeah, what we're doing. Yeah. Um. But yeah. yes, but if you found any value in this episode or you think that someone might enjoy it, please feel free to share it. Copy a link and send a text to someone that you love that could benefit from this. We really appreciate it. And um, and we will continue to bring you more programming that at least entertains us. I hope it entertains you I feel you that, too. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time. Bye. Bye. See you. Keep writing and reading and going to theater. Oh, wait. Zooming. I think theater's coming back. It's coming back, yeah. It's coming back.